The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Buffalo Bills fans, welcome to another episode of Breaking Buffalo Rumblings. Anthony Marino, happy to be here with you once again, talking everything Buffalo Bills. A very, very special guest joining me tonight. You know him, you love his work at Cover One. It's Greg Thompson. Greg, how you doing tonight, man? Not too bad. I appreciate you having me on tonight. Looking forward to it. Always uh, enjoy being able to talk with you and the people at uh, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings and uh, looking forward to our talk tonight. Well, and honestly, right, I mean, we're recording this on Monday. The Bills are 8-3. and three. They beat the Los Angeles Chargers. It would be easy for us to go into the game, but we know there's been enough discussions around that. But, Greg, really there's some other things I wanted to talk to you about tonight, if that's okay with you. I, I thought we were discussing Hail Mary defense techniques. You know what? I am <laughs> six foot five, so I think it would just – the unfortunate part is it would take me so long to get down the field to be a part of the Hail Mary coverage that by the time I got there, the receiver would probably be in the end zone. But um, maybe we'll save that for another, another topic. That's fair. But honestly, Greg, a lot of this started, and right, it, it was a couple weeks ago, just to fill folks in. Like, I had reached out to Greg and said, "Listen, let's talk about free agency. Let's talk about how we can make some room in the salary cap." When you talk about guys like Matt Milano and John Feliciano, Darrell Williams, you know how how can the Bills potentially re-sign these guys? And Greg was making the rounds. You were on WGR. You were on with Joe Marino. You were talking to a bunch of folks, and was like, "Hey." This is great. Let's push back a little bit. And then, what was it, last weekend, I think I put a tweet out there and really talking about the projected salary cap for 2020 and really looking at things and saying, gosh, I don't see how this can just stay at $175 million, right? You see where some teams are with this. You see how much they've committed to the cap in 2021. And maybe a part of me just being a little bit naive thinking like, listen, the NFL, these owners, they still are rolling in money. There's no way we're talking about a, a floor of $175 million in 2021. And uh, and you came in and you were, I mean, I say this in a real positive way, Greg, right? Like you enlightened me with the conversation. And I'm glad we could talk about it because you are one of those guys that people turn to, myself included, when it comes to talking about the cap. So tell me what you're thinking here. I know this conversation is going to lead in a bunch of different directions, but um, we had that great exchange over Twitter and a bunch of people jumped in with us on social media. And that's why I really wanted to have you on this week so we could talk about it together. 
No, that, that's awesome. And I'm, I'm very comfortable if you use the term nerd. It's totally fine. Um, <laughs> so the well, let's start with the bigger picture with the NFL and those pieces, and then we'll end with more of the Bills-specific stuff that I know many of our listeners are, are going to be more interested in. So, I, you know, I, I know when we were talking back and forth on the prep for this show, I had mentioned that I, I think your tweet is where – 80 90 percent of fans heads are at and even our fellow content creators and media folks is because the part that i'll preface here in a minute is deep within the legalese details of the you know last minute 11th hour you know addendum cba that the nfl and the nflpa agreed to um so when that happened, everybody's familiar with a lot of pieces of it. This is the same document that got the the 16-man practice squad. It's the same thing that got the uh, three-week IR where you're allowed to, you know, unlimited amount of players on the IR and they only have to be there for three weeks. It's the same one that had the protected um, practice squad thing with the four guys that get protected. So lots of people know pieces of this and are aware of where it came from. Well, in that is, you know, section two, subset A, you know, way deep down in the legalese is a piece that they agreed to the $175 million floor. I think people have seen that being thrown out there as some kind of projection or estimate or something informal that is a, Hey, that's a, you know, and I'm, I'm putting my finger in my mouth and, and putting it up in the air, like I'm measuring, you know, just some random guess of things. Right. That was actually a very formal negotiation back and forth with offers and counter offers between the NFL and the NFLPA with the NFL actually wanting it to be lower and asking for an in-season 2020 reduction, even below the $198 million cap and going back and forth, they ended up settling on that no matter how far the revenue for this year drops, they set a false floor at $175 million per team. And if it falls below there, they will pay that back. So I'll use some very simple math. Let's say it's $145 million a team. 30 million below they'll take that and spread it out 10 million a year off of the 2022 2023 and 2024 cap okay so that piece of it was set there and at the time i think was set with the idea that hey you know maybe you know you think back to everybody now listening to this you know what was your mindset back in july when this was going on you know, did we think that, yeah, by the end of the year, we'll probably be able to get fans in the stands. We'll probably have some creative things of Saturday night NFL that's pay-per-view streaming on Amazon. And people were throwing out all kinds of crazy creative ideas to recoup revenue. Well, since then, none of those things have happened. Right. Way fewer fans in the stands. None of those, you know, I remember hearing proposals of, yeah, they're going to tarp off the first 10 rows in the stands with green screen material and run rotating ads in the, in the stands. I was like, oh, that's really creative. They haven't done any of that. Greg, it is one of those pieces where you take a look at it, right? And and here is where I think the mindset from the fans comes a little bit, right? And I, you know, you try not to be one of those guys that just reacts to things. But um, it was interesting, right? Again, we were going back and forth, sharing some info with each other. And uh, Spotrack had a, a tweet that came out. 
where they were talking about teams and how much they would be projected over the cap in 2021. And I think this was part of it where I was thinking to myself, the owners will figure this out, right? Because as much as that, you know, you can say, well, the negotiations with the NFLPA, the 51% versus the 49 and how, you know, all of these things that come out, you talk about that competitive balance and what is really in place there. You know, and I take a look at some things and I think to myself, gosh, you've got the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, only 33 guys under contract for 2021. They're going to be $20 million over the cap. The Falcons, 32 players, $25 million over the cap. The Eagles with 41 guys signed, $63 million over the cap. And the mother of them all, the New Orleans Saints, 45 guys signed for the 2021 season projected at $95 million over the cap. And as I take a look at this, right, I think to myself, it's like, how are you just think of these ownership groups, the proud history, the fans, all of this, like, how is this going to happen then, right? Not just for, and we'll talk about the bills, but just let's say the competitive landscape of the NFL. When you talk about teams that are in this tough of a spot, can they even, you know, feel the roster of what they would fans would recognize, I guess I would say. So first, there are no good solutions to some of these things. And, right. you know, specifically the Saints, the Saints are going to be the ultimate litmus test in, you know, being a salary cap and financial nerd like like I am. Um, people throw the, oh, that's stupid. The cap is a myth. And I always use the analogy that the cap is like a credit card. You know, and everybody had those friends when we were in our early 20s who had the awesome apartment and the and the nice car <laughs> and all the cool stuff and picked up the tab out of the bar and all those things. And, man, how's he doing all that? And then you realize that, oh, when he's 30, he went bankrupt and had no credit. Um, so it's like that. Like, you can kick the can down the road quite a ways, but those bills come due. Like, eventually, you have to figure that out. Now, some of them are you end up restructuring contracts and giving up off seasons where you would have had cap space, but you have to soak it all up, just kind of paying back what you borrowed this coming year. The saints are tough. Everybody else, the Steelers, the Falcons, when you're 20 million over, you know, it's going to be a couple painful cuts. It's going to be some weird restructuring. You always hear those things where, Oh, veteran X has now converted their $19 million salary into a prorated signing bonus. And their new salary is $1 million. And all of a sudden it creates like $10 million in cap space. And they just kick that can down the road. Um, all the rest of those teams are pretty much going to be able to do that with some painful things. I mean, they're going to lose some good players. They're going to end up soaking up any of the new TV money that's going to come in 2022, 2023, and beyond. The Saints, I, I don't know, man, and even the Eagles, there are going to be some really weird things. I, I think there's a chance the Saints and the Eagles could be historically bad next year. And the biggest one is, you know, Drew Brees has a $39 million cap hit. And a $29 million dead cap hit. So if he retires <laughs> and takes the, I think he has an already standing offer to be a commentator uh, for one of the big networks. If he just walks away and the man has 11 broken ribs and a punctured lung at age 40, if he just walks away, they're done. I mean, there is no scenario where they can, can field a good team. They're going to put 53 players on the field, but it's not going to be any good. Greg, let me ask you a question, too, before we do get into the Bills. Again, and we had talked about this before. I think a lot of this ties into the shuffling of the schedule this season, 
Right. And we've seen things early on. I mean, gosh, I even remember jokingly tweeting back when the Tennessee Titans were, you know, dealing with their situation with the COVID outbreak of just like, listen, I'll take the forfeit. I don't care. Win is a win, right? Go ahead with this. And, you know, you do that jokingly. But now as you look on social media as, right, the Steelers and Ravens are going to be playing at 340 in the afternoon on a on a Wednesday, there is certainly a domino effect with this. And, and as we look at all of these things, you know, you had made a comment and just saying like, why is the league doing with this? And I think the listeners need to get a good understanding of that because uh, it's important for what we're talking about as it relates to the cap. Absolutely. And, and I think many people's hearts and heck, their moral compass goes to, well, that's not fair. And sadly, f- fairness was thrown out the window a long time ago. There was going to be imbalances. There were going to be some teams who had fans in the stands, some who didn't, some teams who have to play an NFL football game without a quarterback, and some who don't. I don't know that that one was anticipated, but fairness was out out the window a long time ago. With those other things I laid out earlier and how revenue starved this league is, you know, and you're talking, you know, 175 million is still estimating $5.6 billion in shared revenue. Well, that's a lot of money, but not when you were planning to make 8 billion. And that gap is historic and crippling for some teams. So anytime one of these decisions comes up and fans get frustrated or say, oh, that's not fair. Why don't they just cancel? Why don't they just forfeit? Why don't they just move it later? Ask yourself, does what you're proposing make the NFL more money or less money. And anytime it's more, don't be surprised when that's the answer. And I hope that they can still in some sense of integrity say that player safety is a priority. And I think, I think it is in some semblances. I think that that's real. I don't think that's always you know behind it, but the vast majority of it is they're going to ramrod these games in there on national TV to get the ad revenue they can get while they can still get it. Cause TV money and ad revenue money is the only money they're getting this year. Well, and you know, and I ask you this question too, and I know how I feel with it. Right. But like almost as a fan, do you feel a little bit guilty, right? And you know this, like you see all of these pieces taking place. You've got players diagnosed, all the shuffling, all of these pieces. And and almost as a consumer, it's, right? I mean, you think back to the summer and we would have conversations and interact and just be like, listen, man, just, I don't care what else you cancel. Just make sure there's an NFL season. And as you go through with it, I mean, you almost feel a little guilty as you say it, but it's just, I think that's where I find myself is, you know, you're coming down this, uh, the home stretch, I guess, of 2020. Yeah. So I, I try not to be too harsh with it, but sometimes people go back and forth with it a, a little much for me. And I'll say, listen, I sat there for 12 hours on Sunday and watched nothing but football. I'm right. complicit in this. Not only do I not have a right to complain or to him and haw and clutch my pearls over, oh my gosh, I can't <laughs> believe they're doing this. I'm complicit I'm the reason that they're ramrodding this stuff in there because I sat there and gobbled up every second of it. And every other person who sat there and did the same thing, you're in the same boat. I can just picture you and you're, uh, you know, on the couch with your pearls watching 12 hours of football. <gasps> oh my, just how dare they do this to the Steelers? I can't believe it. Oh, my Settle gosh. Down. So, hey, so so let's bring this to the Bills now, right? Because I think that provides some really good perspective, again, where most fans like myself thinking, 
not even just to say that it's a myth, right? But like, oh, 175 million, the owners will figure something out, the NFLPA and and again, right? Like, hey, here's the reality. Like 175 million is going to be generous compared to what the revenues were. Yeah, and just a, a quick heads up, it, it was we were at 198 million this year. All expectations were next year was going to be 210. It had gone up in that same percentage every single year for like clockwork. With this move, that's budgeting. You know, think about for your family, if all of a sudden next year your salaries or your spouse's salaries were all of a sudden going to be cut by 20 or 25 percent. And now you have to just figure out how to pay your bills with 25% less money. That's what every franchise is now planning for because they built previous contracts, previous extensions, previous signings, rollover cap, all built with a certain number in mind. And now last minute, that number is getting changed. So let's take a look at this as it does relate to the Bills free agents, right? And there are the, the three main guys that truly stand out, right? When you take a look at things. And we talk about Matt Milano, the linebacker, of course. And then you've got the two offensive linemen, Daryl Williams, right, who's on a very team-friendly one-year deal right now. And then John Feliciano, who all of a sudden seems to be much more valuable in the eyes of the Buffalo Bills based on some of the shuffling and and moves that have been taking place along the offensive line. I mean, as, as you take a look at these three guys, do you see a way that Brandon Bean and his staff can bring them back? So. First, let's start with some ballpark numbers so okay. people know what, what we're talking about here and why it will explain how challenging it is. So uh, with doing nothing else, the Bills will have $5 million in cap space next year. They're at $170 million versus the estimated $175 million with a little bit of rollover from, from this year, maybe $3 million of that coming from this year. My guess is, and I I won't go into great detail here because it gets boring with the numbers. Um, My guess is that Matt Milano is somewhere between 11 million and 13 million. I think the injuries could impact the guarantees, the length, how much is up front. I don't know that it drastically changes or gives them a huge discount. I think that's the ballpark. I think Daryl Williams has played himself into that Brian Balaga, George Fant area. Maybe it's 8 million. It could be 10 or 11 million but it's that ballpark. I think John Feliciano has pushed beyond where Quentin Spain is, um, is really important, but I don't think it's a huge amount more. And I think it's more about guarantees because Quentin Spain's deal was really a one-year deal. And then let's see, which we saw, um, but he'll get a little bit better than that. I think he gets six or seven million over three years, but better guarantees that Spain got and probably like three years, 18 million. Now, let me ask you a quick question. When you roll over the money from Trent Murphy, how much? Oh, wait, that's right. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. So, it, well, and so I, I am, I'm a very pragmatic person. I do a lot of financial analysis in my professional life. I believe very strongly in not being beholden to the sunk cost fallacy that once you've spent money on something, you need to scramble and make up for it to make it look good. So, I, in one sense, I'm glad that they're not beholden to that. And we saw him being a healthy scratch here this past week because right, f- shoehorning it in there to try to make yourself feel better doesn't change the fact that it was an enormous mistake not to cut him. And I certainly am guilty of that and was hopeful that there was a better season ahead and that it was going to justify this all-in philosophy that I, I also talked myself into. In hindsight, there is no other framework that 
those $8 million would have been critically helpful right now. And that simply leaning on AJ Epinesa and Daryl Johnson earlier was the more prudent decision. So that is one example here that we'll get into that kind of move in a moment um, that, God, I wish we could have back. Sorry, I didn't mean to get you off track there. And it just <laughs> I'm looking at spot track as we're talking and oh, I it see hurts. and it's it just it's just staring me in the face and I just uh, I had a snarky moment. So <laughs> so looking at this and this is the exact same decision that the GMs for the Saints, the Falcons, the Eagles, the Steelers, all those teams are going through the exact same exercise. So the Bills are not in awesome shape, but they're in much better shape than about a third of the league. They're right there, you know, 16th to 20th in cap right. space, depending on what you look at. But I'm going to explain in a moment here, you rattled off some numbers that really matter about how many contracts are, or how many players are under contract to get to that number. The bills are in a little bit tougher spot, but you rattled off a lot of teams with 32, 33, at least the bills are at 40. They already have 40 people under contract plus the normal draft picks that are in place there. That gets them up to 47 very quickly. couple minimum contracts, boom, you have a full roster without spending all that much money. Um, so the Brills bring back a lot of talent that other teams who are lower in the cap won't have or more aligned with the teams who are 20, 30, 40 million over who also have talent but have to cut a bunch of them just to get back to where they were. So right. they're not in awesome shape, but they're in better shape than other teams. The four areas that every franchise has are contract restructuring, cap-friendly extensions, pay cuts, and releases. So I think, I'll even say fairly, I, I get everybody's not nerdy with this stuff like some people are. A lot of our fellow content creators assume or talk about things as though releasing players is the only option. And in right. fairness, the Bills haven't had anyone talented in a long time to where we wanted to do contract restructures <laughs> and that they even were getting paid enough where we wanted to keep them and also to guarantee they were going to be around to restructure things. So all those other things you always heard, the Saints and the Rams and the Vikings and all those other teams and the Cowboys to do all the time, we never had players to do it. So I get that it's not people's first move to go to, but we have a couple of them. Anytime you restructure a contract, it's for a player that you know you want to be around through the life of their deal. You're not adding extra money on. You're basically just saying, hey, over the next three years, we're going to pay you $35 million anyways. Can we give you a big chunk of that right now in cash and you let us spread some of that money out in the second and third year and really reduce this year's money? And that player says, yeah. I wanted that $35 million over the next three years. If you'd like to give me a bunch of that in a check right now, that sounds delightful. Um, it's the easiest one to do with Mitch Morris, Stefan Diggs, and the last one here is the most questionable, Mario Addison. But I'm going to start with Morris and Diggs. I know some people have talked about maybe Mitch Morris is a cut candidate. I think that's crazy. I don't think that's even... I, I think that I get the dots people connected. I think it's very much reading into a poorly handled press conference, a player who was coming off their sixth concussion and sat one extra game that meant he got to have 27 days off of football before coming back. And that now seeing him start from that first snap, I really think that was it. So I, I don't think it's nearly as on the table as some have spoken to it about, but we can reduce that money and get more than the $5 million in savings we would get for cutting him while still having him on the roster by restructuring it. And the same thing with Stefan Diggs. 
Mario Addison is a decision for them. If you know you want him here for that second and third year of the deal, you can also restructure that one. So talk to me about let's let's focus on Morse for the sake of this conversation, right? Because I mean that is certainly um a hot button issue, right? Let's just say for fans again, sure. even some media members talking about, well, if you do cut him, you know, you're talking about saving somewhere in the neighborhood of close to $5 million next year, but a dead cap of five and a half. Like what would that look like again, it, it, at least in, from your frame of perspective. So I think our listeners and, and to be quite honest, myself can, can get a better understanding of that. Sure. So it's a little bit more money in the Stefan Diggs deal, but I'll use the Morse one as well. So we have some some, some uh, things that were already paid out. We already gave him a signing bonus. That's already there. So $2.75 million per year is already going to be there no matter what we do. His bonuses are pretty low, honestly. It's only a $500,000 roster bonus and a $100,000 workout bonus. They're pretty minimal. He has another bigger roster bonus that we can play around with as well coming into 2022. He has a $7 million salary in each of the years. One is 7.025, one 6.9. So what you do is you go to him and say, hey, we're going to pay you in cash about $16 million in the next two years. What we'd like to do is reduce your base salary down to the veteran minimum. We'd like to make all the rest of that $7 million in base salary. And for you, an extra 2 million of your 2022 salary into a signing bonus now. So we want to take you down to 650,000 for a base salary in 2021 have their other 6.3 million plus 2 million in 2022. We're going to cut you a check right now for $8.3 million ahead of the season. What that does is spreads that money out over the two years. So now you've reduced that number from 7 million down to half of that, which is around 4 million and you've cut 3 million out of it. You can even be more creative by adding on what they call voidable years, where you can add on a 2023 and a 2024 voidable year. And instead of spreading it out over two years, you spread it out over three or four years and you knock that $8 million down to a $2 million per year hit. And now you've created $5 million in cap space. Plus, you still have a starting center because when people talk about, oh, we can cut him and save $5 million, well, you don't save $5 million. You have to replace him with another right. starting center. And however much that cost, you net that out of the savings. How good of a starting center do you think you're going to get for $5 million? So if you just replace him with the exact same amount of money, you now have zero savings and a worse center. Greg, let me ask you this question again, because because I want to get the understanding and I hope others will also. So when we talk about um, those voidable years, and I know you used the term before, like kicking the can down the road a yeah. little bit. When Let's say if we're talking 2021, $175 million. 2022 um, or the 2021 season, fans are back in the stands, yeah. right? Let's assume that everything is is great, back to normal in some way, shape, or form. Does the salary cap bounce back up to that $198 million type of level as a starting point, or are we working off of 175 and and pieces there? I guess I'm trying to grasp that. No, no, no. That, that's a great question. So to be completely honest, I don't see any reason that the revenue projections wouldn't go back not only to where this year was, 
but to the growth curve that they expected it to be. I don't think it's crazy that the 2022 season could go back to we were expecting it to go 198, 210, 220, or even 225. I think that 220 or 225 is back in play. That was projected because of the amount of spending that would normally happen, the amount of money of fans and stands, and the new TV deal that could be created. When you think about how many people are going to be willing to pay full price premium you know, money to go to a sporting event when they're finally allowed to do that, I think that every single game is going to be sold out to the max with every probably prices being at a premium and people are going to be perfectly happy to pay it. So I think there it's not only going to go not at 175 and not even not at 198. I think it could shoot right back to what it was projected to be or at minimum what the 2021 projection was going to be at 210 million, but I, I don't think 220 million is out of the out of the realm of possibility. Well, and I'm glad to hear you say that too, not just around some of the guys we're talking about here, but Right. I mean, we have to think that Josh Allen contract extension oh, yeah. is somewhere on the horizon. And, you know, as you start thinking about that, that's um certainly would have provided some some challenges, but still a lot of things to figure out sure. before that. Let me give one other example here that's a little bit easier to follow. And, and if you have spot track up, you can look at Stefan Diggs' contract. His has some bigger numbers in, a, in an extra year that makes it easier. So without any weird voidable years or any other trickery in the salary cap, he has three years left at roughly $11 million a year. We'll use round numbers just to make it easy. Sure. So going into next year, three years, $33 million. That one, if you now reduce it down the $11 million in 2021, down to the minimum, give him that in a full signing bonus up front, plus whatever, you know, give him an extra chunk for next year, but we'll just use that for an easy amount. We'll take 500000 from each year and make it $12 million to be easy. And you reduce that down and spread that out over the three years. You now take his current salary cap number from $11 million down to $4 million. You just created $7 million in cap space for a player that we for sure want to be around in 2021, 2022, and 2023. You can even reward him and say, hey, you were so great this year. We want to give you that 2024 year, a one-year extension at $20 million a year because you've been so good. And we'll give you a chunk of that and a signing bonus as well and drop this number all the way down over four years. And now all of a sudden you dropped it down to $3 million. You just created $8 million in salary cap space for a player that you absolutely want to be around for the life of that contract. So with those two moves, I just immediately created $13 million in cap space with two players that we want to be here anyways. Do you just like lay around on like Sunday night just looking at spot track with like a... <laughs> Your calculator app open on your phone, just kind of going through these things, or is it just uh... so, so? It's gotten so bad. I'm actually friends with Mike Janetti, who runs uh, Spot Track, and with Brad and Jason, who run OverTheCap.com, and we go back and forth on projections. And it's not an accident that I pegged Trey White and Deion Dawkins contracts down to almost the dollar yeah. when they came out. Um, I, I spend a unnecessary amount of time playing with this stuff. And, you know, I'm the guy who back when I used to play Madden, I spent way more time in the franchise <laughs> mode than I did playing the game. Like this is just sure. where my head goes and what I like to do. Um, but the good news is for Bill's fans, Brandon being smarter than I am 
<laughs> Brandon Bean has people <laughs> under contract who know this stuff better than I do. They know this stuff. It's not as simple as, oh, man, we're going to have to cut six players to be able to make room for this. No, they don't. They have options available. Um, but we we can move on to some of the other options here. But that just that starting spot. And if if they decide Mario Addison wants to be around for the life of that deal, that's another three or four million. Those three guys together, I can create 17 or 18 million dollars in cap space immediately. Now, one thing that you had mentioned before, right, was it's not just about cutting players. But I do think in the way that Brandon Bean and his staff have shaped a lot of contracts, right, you'll see. Maybe it's a four-year deal, but after those first two years, there's there's not much dead cap space, right? There's not much of an impact. Or even, hey, a three-year deal, and after that first year, it would be relatively easy for the team to get out of it if they wanted to. A couple of players that, that stand out to me, and, and one – Right, as important as he is to the team, and it's I almost feel it's a little bit crazy that I'm saying it, but is someone like John Brown, right? I mean, 2021, the final year of his contract, a $9.75 million cap hit, only $1.6 million in dead cap space. Of course, we all want to see John Brown to be healthy. The Bills are a much better offense when he is out on the field, albeit Gabriel Davis had a, a very good game uh, against the Los Angeles Chargers. But I mean, is, is John Brown someone that you look at and say, you know, don't touch it, leave it where it is, do some type of a restructure, or maybe is he not on the team in 2021? So he's a perfect example of the next function for me, which is a bucket of players where the team has more leverage than they do. So John Brown is a valuable member of this team. Right. He also knows, and his agent knows, if he goes out into this 2021 nuclear winner free agent landscape, <laughs> he's not getting $9.75 million from anybody. He's just not like, he's right. a good player. He would get a prove it deal. He had a rough injury stretch here. He's going into age 31. He, he's just not in a position to leverage that kind of money. Neither are players you know, that, that the bills are looking at that could go into spots like, um, let's see, who are some other examples here? Some guys that they would look at, uh, Jerry Hughes is in the same spot. Micah Hyde is in the same spot guys that they probably want to have around. You're at an age, maybe Micah Hyde, they don't have as much leverage, but Jerry, they do. You're probably not going to get 9.45 million. And we just saw other pass rushers go out there that they didn't get paid that much either. Look what happened to Everson Griffin. So they can go to them and say, hey, nobody wants you guys to get cut. Nobody wants you guys to, you know, have to deal with that. And then we got to play hardball and that looks bad. We don't want that. We want you to be here. To be honest, we want you here this year and we want you back next year. You're not right. under contract for next year. You do us a favor. We don't put you out there to have to fight for scraps amongst all these other guys that are getting cut because some really good players are going to get cut here this spring. We're going to bring you back next year, but we're going to bring you back at our number. We're going to bring you back at $4 million. But to show you that we're still you know, good sports here, we're going to give you a chunk of it up front now. We're going to convert your money over to a signing bonus. We're going to kick it over like the $9.75 million cap number is next year in 2022. You're only going to count $4 million against this year's cap for us. And then we get you for both years and you get a two-year deal at $13 million, which is probably better than you were going to get on the open market anyways. Everybody's happy. 
Now, someone that does not fall into that same category, because the the examples that you used, right, I think were three great ones. Obviously, where we started on on John Brown, of course, Jerry Hughes falls into that category, as does somebody like Micah Hyde. Um, what about someone like Vernon Butler? Yeah. Right. I mean, and this was probably a contract that when he signed it was a little bit of a head scratcher. At least it was for me. Right now, you look at twenty twenty one, almost eight million dollar cap hit, only a million dollars in dead cap space. You've got Star Latulale. At least it would look like coming back next season. Plenty. You know, a big enough cap hit there. Um, I mean, heck, you've even got somebody like Justin Zimmer, right? Yeah. Who's who's outplaying someone like a Vernon Butler. And not that Butler has been bad, but I think you know where I'm going with this. You know, this is a little bit of a different scenario there. Does that make him a, a cut candidate or is this a little bit different from that standpoint? So it's the same discussion that we had with John Brown and, and um, Micah Hyde and Jerry Hughes but with none of the built up cachet and relationship and value. So it's a firmer line. It's a lower number. And it's one that if they don't take it, "Eh, I'm sorry, man, but we're going to have to let you go. They can go to someone like Vernon Butler, who you referenced it. It's 7.8 million with a $1 million walk away. And they can go, listen, this is going to be a tough market for you. If you want to come back here, we think you're worth it. We think you're worth more than our guy, Justin Zimmer. We'd love to be able to have you back at $3 million. If you want to take $3 million, it's right here. All you got to do is sign. We're good to go. We'll give you $3 million. We'll fully guarantee the $3 million. You know, you get fully guaranteed $3 million. We'll give you $2.4 million of it today before you walk out of the building. You get the rest of it guaranteed for this season. We're good to go. They did the same thing basically with Tyler Croft with Starla Tule and with Patrick DeMarco and they pack the cut DeMarco anyways. Um, so it's going to be that kind of discussion. I, I think they can have that discussion with Tyler Matikevich. I think they can have that discussion with Lee Smith. I think they can have that discussion. We'll get to him here in a minute, but when I wrote my initial notes, it was three, four weeks ago. You could have that discussion with AJ Klein. Um, it's all those kind of things where, you know, hey, if you want to come back, here's our number. If it's not at our number, we wish you the best. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. So, so let's jump into it because you teased it. And I'm almost regretting that I shot you a message beforehand. <laughs> I wish you had that, gotten my raw reaction. because t- t- Telling you what I was going to ask you about AJ Klein, right? And I think for everyone, 
we all fall into this boat. And if you're on Twitter and social media, you see the, you know, the application form, the, you know, the AJ Klein apology form. You know, the difference with this one is than the Josh Allen form is like all Bills fans just expected and wanted Josh Allen to be great. And, you know, they wrap their arms around him and it's just like, hey, we've got this franchise quarterback. This is great. AJ Klein was one of those signings this past offseason. It was a little bit of a head scratcher. Then you get Matt Milano going, you know, down with an injury in the first half of week one against the New York Jets. And and here's AJ Klein playing a lot more than you probably would have expected him to, and a, a relative hefty contract to go with it. Certainly struggles from AJ Klein over the first half of the 2020 season, where many of us were looking at it and saying, okay, so a $4 million dead cap hit. $6.4 million salary. Okay, well, it's worth it's worth the $2.4 million to, to move on from him. Fast forward now, right? The Bills defense looks much more like it did in 2019. And a big part of that success is from A.J. Klein. Now, as we say this, and this was a question I posed to Greg, so I'm just going to put it out there. Does the resurgence and the recent success of A.J. Klein Make it a situation where Brandon Bean and the Buffalo Bills potentially walk away from someone like Matt Milano. So, honestly, I had never thought of it. No one had asked me this, and my initial reaction was the full gif of, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you, sir? Um, so, I, I, I think that probably is closer to the truth. I, I don't think that his... A very legitimate resurgence the last four weeks. He has been a new player, specifically the last two weeks. And a couple of people were, were in my mentions as I was doing film breakdown last night and posting a couple of clips about, oh man, I'm glad they found this, you know, kind of siloed role for him just blitzing. I was like, no, no, no. He was an amazing linebacker yesterday. Yeah. But he was making sideline to sideline plays that I was like, holy crap, who is that? Who is this person? Um, he was phenomenal. So one, I want to caution that the Chargers have a terrible offensive line and they don't have good blocking tight ends. And I don't think that this was his hardest challenge, but he played great. Um, you know, it, maybe it's a little bit of leverage in the negotiating room with Matt Milano. Maybe they, you know, accidentally send AJ Klein's highlight tape to Matt, Matt Milano's agent <laughs> and, and just, Oh, sorry. That wasn't for you. My apologies. Um, I, I don't think it's a legitimate differentiator of whether they were going to do this or not. I think they have every intention of signing Matt Milano. I think they want him back. I think Matt Milano wants to be back. I, I don't think Matt Milano is looking to go peddle his wares elsewhere. Um, I've, I've vacillated back and forth on what I think his number is going to be. And I, I mentioned some things earlier for a long time. I've been at like three years, 39 million, just looking at the Shaq Thompson deal and some of the other contracts that people have gotten. And I, I think maybe this, some fans will probably think this is backwards that, Oh, because of the injuries, you want it to be less. I think the team's actually going to press him that they want it at a longer term with more reasonable guarantees that helps the team if it pans out and he gets to make that money if they want, but they have walkaway numbers. And I think now it might be like four years, 48 or, or maybe even like 
five years, 55 with lower guarantees that kind of keeps them under team control, but at a healthy number and that they could get out of it after two years, something like that. And I still think they want that. I still think they want that to happen. And I think they can get creative in all the same things I talked about with Stefan Diggs contract and the other restructuring. Anybody they re-sign next year, Feliciano, Daryl Williams, Matt Milano, they can structure those deals where it's, we'll say it's four years, 48 million. They can really make it look like a three or $4 million number in 2021. And then the other 44 million over the other three years. And then it's like a $15 million a year deal over those three years. When the TV money's going up and all those other things are in place, they can afford it at that point and they can structure it there. And that's why, you know, I threw around the restructure for Mitch Morris, for Stefan Diggs, for um, Mario Addison. I threw around the team-friendly extension for Jerry Hughes, Micah Hyde, John Brown. We threw around the cuts for um, Vernon Butler and Lee Smith. If they just do those things, they didn't lose any starters. They lost two players. We created $25 million in cap space. And then we just came up with team-friendly restructure or team-friendly deals with bringing back Daryl Williams and John Feliciano and Matt Milano, plus the money to sign our, our draft picks, and all of it ends with a happy bow on it. Well, and I think with this, too, going back to the Milano piece, and I should have prefaced things by saying, like, I don't want Matt Milano to go anywhere, right? As I ask that question, it's not me asking it. You know, sometimes you'll ask a question because that's what you're thinking, but Along those same lines, right? If you're saying, well, talking 12, 13, 14 million dollars a year, if the team has to make a decision, does that start to come into play? But obviously, the math that you've been doing and the time that you've spent thinking about it, um, certainly to me, right, it's, it's something that you would think to yourself, okay, if they can make it work, I would love to see it. And what I'd love to see right now is a healthy Matt Milano to come back against the San Francisco 49ers on Monday night. And really to see what this defense could look like with him back in the lineup. I mean, I think, you know, for everyone, that could be the piece where you can finally see this Bills defense in a healthy situation, which we have not seen since the second quarter of week one against the Jets. Oh, if you tell me that we get back a 100% healthy Matt Milano, and the good news is he's been 100% healthy from the waist down. He's been able to do all his conditioning, all his running, all of his you know, ability to, you know, keep himself fresh and in condition. It's just letting his pec heal and having that long stretch to be out. I I think it's very feasible that we could see him back. And you're telling me that now we've kind of figured out the way to be able to utilize AJ Klein more effectively. And we're seeing the fast, effective, quick decision-making from Tremaine Edmonds. And now we just add in Matt Milano. Man, is that exciting. And we finally saw, you know, Levi Wallace back healthy and Josh Norman not even really needing to be able to take that many snaps and all those things coming together at the right time. And Ed Oliver hitting his, you know, fever pitch here of the best football he's played in his career. This could be a really exciting run. Well, so let me ask you one last question, right? So before we wrap up, because I think it does go back to the question around Williams and Feliciano. And let's just say you can look at these three. Let's say you're going to prioritize Milano as as number one. Is that safe to say from your perspective? It is. I've had several people make a legitimate case that 
right tackle is more important than linebacker, and I think they're correct. I think Matt Milano is enough better at linebacker than Darrell Williams is at right tackle and has enough of that relationship and cachet built up in that locker room that he's a priority. He's probably not as big of a priority, or it's probably not as easy of a lead as fans assume. So let me ask you this question then, right? Because I didn't want to make that assumption, I guess, without asking you first. If you can only sign one, Williams or Feliciano, which one are you picking? Oh, um, I think that the relationship with Josh and just the fire that he brings to that roster and the fact that guards are a little bit cheaper than tackles, I would lean Feliciano. But I'd be lying if I said that signing Daryl Williams to right tackle and then rolling the dice that we could replace the on-field role at guard on a cheap contract plus a fourth-round pick to compete against each other. From a roster construction standpoint, if you just remove the names, I would take the right tackle and then the outside linebacker and then the guard and just roll the dice that I could replace those positions you know, Devondre Campbell signed a one-year, $6 million deal with the Cardinals. He's like 97% of Matt Milano. Like Milano's a little All bit right. better, but he's not that much better. Like, you can replace that. Um, you know, I think John Feliciano's better than Ike Bakker. Bakker looked okay. <laughs> you can replace guards for pretty cheap. Um, so I, I think Feliciano matters enough to this locker room and to the team and heck to Josh Allen himself that, okay, I I can pay that. But in a cold calculated, cruel world, yeah, you could probably do without it. All right, man. Well, listen, Greg Thompson, you're, you're always one of my favorite follows on Twitter. I mean, just the way that we get to interact, but that you do with so many bills fans and, and really just, uh, taking a practical view of things, right? And really just being able to share knowledge like you did today. But why don't you make sure that everybody knows where they can find your work, your podcast, everything, um, where they can get all your kind of insight and knowledge. Uh, you're, uh, you can come find me on Twitter at Greg Thompson. You can find me at CoverOne.net, on the Cover One app, on the Cover One preview and post-game shows, uh, having a good time there with Bills fans. Uh, usually spending an obscene amount of time on Twitter. Just come and find <laughs> me. I'm, I'm usually there far, far more than any adult should be. Uh, but I have a good time with it and try to keep myself entertained. Greg, you are the man. I appreciate everything that you do. Always willing, not just to jump on this show, but any of our shows that we have here at buffalorumblings.com. Keep up the great work with Cover One. Uh, Always appreciate you. And for those of you listening, we appreciate you too. Uh, Stay tuned. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can get all of our great shows here at Buffalo Rumblings. And as always, go Bills.